to the Harlow White Healing Stream, the official podcast of Pastor Harlow White and the Harlow White Ministries Outreach Church. Thank you so much for subscribing and supporting this podcast. This podcast platform is the unveiling of the archive library of messages that God the Father revealed to Pastor Harlow White in the 1980s. New messages are released every Monday morning, so make sure you're subscribed to receive these new messages every week. This podcast series is available on all your favorite podcast providers and also on the web at HarlowWhiteHealingStream.com. Stand with Pastor Harlow White here at the Harlow White Healing Stream by giving a donation to help support this ministry. Your continued support helps ensure that these messages can reach the many people around the world seeking the kingdom message given to Pastor Harlow White. You can visit the HarlowWhiteHealingStream.com website to make a secure donation. Ask God the Father to direct you on what he will have you give today. You can also write to Pastor Harlow White at the Harlow White Healing Stream website. Please write to Pastor Harlow White and let him know about your prayer requests and testimonies of victory. Visit the HarlowWhiteHealingStream.com homepage to write to Pastor Harlow White today. This week on the Harlow White Healing Stream, Pastor Harlow White dives into the powerful message, The Apple of God's Eye, a message he originally delivered on June 12th of 1983. Let's hear from Pastor Harlow White with this announcement before we dive into part one of this two-part message. Welcome to the Harlow White Healing Stream broadcast. I'm Pastor Harlow White. God ordained my life to be a prophet to people of every nation. God has given me a message that will bring salvation, joy, healing, and prosperity to your life. Powers of evil spirits and curses can be broken. From your life as I minister this message today. This message is going to every nation on the earth from 72 satellites. Let faith rise up in your heart as I give you this message. Be healed. Be delivered. Be set free. As you feel God doing a miracle in you today, I want to hear from you. Visit my website HarlowWhiteHealingStream.com That's H-A-R-L-O W-H-I-T-E HarlowWhiteHealingStream.com Give me your testimony of what God has done for you through the message I have delivered to you today. I want you to pray about making a donation on my donation page or you can write to me That's Pastor Harlow, H-A-R-L-O, White, W-H-I-T-E. Pastor Harlow White, Post Office Box 4695. Post Office Box 4695, write that down. Chicago, Illinois, 60680. 
Get ready to receive what God has for you today. And now go with me into today's message. I'm ministering today on the apple of God's eye. We're going to read the theme of this message and this study that we're now in, which will probably take several weeks and several tapes. So if one of these tapes fall into your hands by divine providence of God, it would be beneficial to the listeners of these teaching tapes to acquire the rest of this series, because we are now in a study of the twelve manners of fruit on the tree of life. This is the first in this series. The first tape of this series was entitled Talents, Gifts, and Fruits. This message is the apple of God's eye. We're reading our theme. It's in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now I want you to be aware that the word tree is the very same word that is used in the Greek for timber or a forest. When we read the word tree here, we're reading not only a tree in the singular, but timber or a forest of trees. And these are trees of life upon which grow the fruit of what we have now discovered is the fruit of sonship. Remember that there are nine fruits of the Spirit, but we're now finding that there is fruit beyond the fruit of the Spirit, which is the fruit of sonship, simply meaning that as we come into the place that we can truly be called sons of God, we manifest fruit that is not fruits that are a product of the Spirit when we are in tune with God, but fruits of sonship that give us power to be in tune with God continually. Someone brought me an article here. It's entitled Tree Talk. We made the statement that throughout the Bible, when we read about trees, we're reading about people. Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. He said, by their fruit you shall know them. John the Baptist said, and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree therefore which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Trees throughout the Bible are people. I said on the tape, in uh, talents, gifts, and fruits, that when Jesus healed the man that was blind, the first thing he saw was men as trees walking. 
That was not because when he first got healed, he had blurry vision. Some people think that he saw men as trees walking because his vision was blurred. That cannot be true because if that were true, it would be saying that Jesus did not have the power to give him total healing on the first touch. Oh, hallelujah. Or upon first contact. Having to know that Jesus has power to give you total healing whenever he speaks or whenever he touches you doesn't make any difference. He didn't have to pray for the man the second time or touch him the second time to get his vision cleared up. What happened was that as the power of resurrection was flowing into the man's physical body, the first thing that emanated from the power of resurrection was spiritual vision. Anytime God begins to pour spiritual uh, uh, resurrection power into you, the first thing you're going to receive is spiritual vision. The spiritual vision brought the man's physical healing. If we can get you people and all people seeing with spiritual eyes, then you can have physical healing. The reason Jesus touched him the second time was so the man could have natural vision. If he'd have left him like that, he'd be seeing like God all the time. Somebody said, well, that might not be too bad. But he had to relate to people in the flesh, just like we do. That's why it's, it's absolutely necessary for you to be able to have natural vision and spiritual vision. We deal with people in the flesh and we deal with people in the spirit. Can you say amen? And God wants us to have both natural and spiritual vision. I want to read this article here. It's called Tree Talk. Watch out for bugs. Watch out for bugs. It's headlined here from Washington, D.C. Here's what the article says. If a National Science Foundation and two scientists in support with research money are to be believed. Trees talk to each other. Gordon H. Orions and David F. Rhodes of the University of Washington have found that the willows and the alders, birch-like trees, warn each other when they are being attacked by leaf-eating insects. Oh. Orions and Rhodes had set out to find how trees survive mass attacks by insects like tent caterpillars and fall webworms. The two ecologists placed swarms of as many as 700 insects in the branches of dozens of willows and alders to see what kinds of defense mechanisms the trees might use against the attack. What they found was that the trees being attacked began producing chemicals that show up in their leaves and make them unpalatable and indigestible to the insects, causing them to starve and even die. Oh, praise the Lord. Even more remarkable was the finding that nearby trees of the same species suddenly began to mount the same chemical defenses even though they had not been invaded by insects. At first the ecologists thought that the chemical defenses were being transmitted through the tree's roots. But they discovered that this was not the case. All the undamaged trees 
we studied were 30 or 40 meters from the damaged trees, much too far away to have any root uh, connections with the damaged trees, Orion's said. The only explanation has to be that there is some airborne chemical released by the trees being attacked to warn the nearby trees that an insect attack is underway. <laughs> Ooh, glory. Orion said he and Rhodes were unable to identify the airborne chemical. Maybe there's not one. Maybe there's not a chemical at all. They were not able to identify the airborne chemical, but were about to begin lab studies with a National Science Foundation grant to look for it. Well, praise the Lord. Trees talk. How about that? Well, how many believe that that is even better support for the message that God has given. That we're able to relate to one another by the Spirit when the devil is attacking and warn other people so they're not attacked by the same demons. And how to reproduce whatever is needed in God to be able to thwart off the attacks of the enemy. Praise the Lord. We're ministering on the apple of God's eye. The apple is a very unique fruit. Some of you may not know this, and some of you may know this. These delicious apples, which basically are grown in the Pacific Northwest, in the state of Washington, these apple trees have to be fertilized with honeybees. <laughs> These apples will not produce unless men who own honey beehives bring their beehives out into the orchard and set the beehives up in the orchards because the honeybees have to go from one tree to another collecting the, the pollen from one tree and carry it to another tree and fertilize it one tree with another for these apples to be produced. And if they didn't do that, they would never come forth. What does it mean? Oh, praise the Lord. Well, we know about the honey, don't we? We've already talked about the honey. And these are honey bees. Praise the Lord. And they carry from one tree to another tree what is needed to make the trees produce fruit. Well, we're not only trees, but we're honeybees. <laughs> Woo, glory. Maybe we'll write a song on that. We're not only trees, but we're also honeybees. And we are the ones that fertilize the trees of God with the power to be able to reproduce the perfected fruit of Jesus Christ. Now, throughout the years, the apple has been associated with Adam's sin. Earlier in this service, the Lord spoke through prophecy about an apple that was rotten and had been corrupted by a worm. 
other than the apple that is corrupted by a worm or a apple that is rotted. No place throughout the Bible has God ever associated the apple with evil in any sense. The apple has always represented something good. Some people thought that Adam ate an apple, and that was his sin. That was not Adam's sin. And some people have had an Adam's apple stuck in their throat ever since. But it was not Adam's sin. He did not eat an apple. Adam's sin was spiritual, and we know this. The churches have tried to make us believe that the apple was what Adam and Eve ate. Someone even said that legend had it that even in modern history they had discovered an old apple tree near the forks of the Tigris and the Euphrates River where they believed that the original Garden of Eden was situated. And that the old apple tree is still there. Probably the one that the serpent gave Eve the apple off of. God have mercy. Now let me explain that the natural fruit is a type of the spiritual fruit. That's why we're going into this study of all of the fruits. The twelve manners of fruit on the tree of life. Now we're going into the book of Psalms chapter 17 and verse 8. Remember I have told you we're not just dealing here with fruits of the Spirit, but we're dealing with the twelve fruits of sonship. In Psalms chapter 17 and verse 8, David is speaking here, and he says, Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings from the wicked that oppress me from my deadly enemies who compass me about. This is powerful here. They are enclosed in their own fat. With their mouth they speak proudly. Now let me explain that the wicked he's talking about here are not just sinners. The most wicked people in the world, this is where you find the most wicked spirits, is in church. When Jesus said the unclean spirit goes out of a man and walks through dry places seeking rest, and then he takes with himself seven other spirits and comes back to enter into the person, those seven more wicked spirits are not spirits of sex or spirits of lust for alcohol, or drugs, or gambling. The more wicked spirits are only categorized because they are found in the church. They are the most deceptive of all spirits. Why? Because they know good and evil. They know how to talk good in one breath and cut you to pieces in the next breath. This is where the more wicked spirits are found. You don't find the more wicked spirits in the world. Someone said, well, the devil is after the world. No, he's not after the world. The world is devils. 
Hello? Somebody said the devil is tempting those people. No, he's not. The devil does not tempt the world. He does not have to tempt the world. No, not at all. All he has to do is tell them from their own spirit which has been begotten by his seed. Are you still here? All he has to do is talk to their emotional department which is programmed with the very seed of Satan himself. They are devils. The only people who are tempted are Christians. The reason the devil has to tempt Christians is because he can't tell you what to do. Somebody said, well, what about all the more wicked spirits? Oh, I haven't got to that yet. They're devils too. They are called religious devils. They have come out of the world and found a better place to roost. They're roosting in the church. Yes, they love it here on these brunches. They love to fly in here and cool their wings. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a mustard seed. When it's planted, it's the smallest of all seeds. But when it is grown, it becomes the greatest of all herbs and becometh a great tree so that the fowls come and lodge in the branches. The foul spirits, the more wicked spirits, are found in church. These are the spirits that are called the sons of perdition that sit in the temple of God showing themselves that they are God. You see, you're not to wait for another day to see for some beast to sit down over in a temple in Jerusalem, some man, and call himself God. The son of perdition is already showing himself in the temple of God. The temple of God is us. How many believe we are God's temple? And the sons of perdition sit in the midst of us continually. David said here that God would shadow him and protect him as the apple of his eye from his deadly enemies. Now that simply means that your deadly enemies are the people who try to kill you with the very word of God. The most deadly weapon in the world is the word of God in the hands of someone that doesn't know how to use it. Have me know that the word of God can literally cut you to pieces. That's why it is called a sharp two-edged sword. And some people can take the word of God and cut you down and discourage you and depress you to where you don't even want to live for God. You don't even want to go to church. On the other hand, the word of God becomes the surgeon's knife in the hands of those that know how to operate. Praise the Lord. And how many believe the word of God can go in there and cut out everything that's not right? Oh, praise the Lord. It's a sharp, two-edged sword. Now, I want to explain that we are dealing with fruit, not gifts, not talents. In the previous message, we covered the talents and the gifts and started into the fruit. The fruit is something that has to be cultivated. Understand that fruit does not just grow, it has to be cultivated, it has to be fertilized, it has to be pruned. This is why Jesus said in John chapter 15, Every branch in me that beareth fruit my Father purgeth, 
or he prunes, he cuts away the dead wood, that there'll be nothing to hinder the growth of the fruit. Something else you need to understand is that unless a fruit tree is pruned, the fruit on it will become very, very scrawny, and it will become unproductive. Why? Because there's too much dead wood there. God has to cut away the old dead wood. And some of you that God has been cutting on your life for the last year, He has been cutting off of you the dead wood so that the fruit may come forth. And I stated in the previous message, some of you have wondered why you haven't received the fullness of the blessing yet. It's because you are one of God's sons, predestinated to be a son, and therefore God cannot give you talents or gifts previously to fruit because he is demanding that you produce fruit and then the gifts can function in your life and then you can have the talents of financial blessing and don't be looking for all of those things to come if you're predestinated. You look around and see some people get blessed with money and prosperity and gifts and they seem to be doing all kinds of good things for God and they're not living near the life in God that you're trying to live. Come on, help me. And you wonder why this happens? It's because God doesn't demand that of them. They're not predestinated to be a son. Therefore, God has blessed them with talents and gifts because they may be in a habitation among those who are not going to come into sonship. Therefore, God has given them a talent and a gift as a sign to the unbelief that they are surrounded with. But for you, God has something better in mind. Hallelujah. You are his fruit trees that he has designed and predestinated to produce perfected fruit on. Hallelujah. And brother, when this begins to happen, then we will experience the talents of money and financial blessing and we will experience the operation of gifts like we have never seen before. Come on and help me praise the Lord. Why? Because we're trees of life. Turn around to someone and say, I am a tree of life. Whew, glory. Turn back around to them and say, I can live without financial blessing in its fullness until I produce the fruit. <laughs> Woo, glory. Happen to believe God is bringing forth the fruit in us. My, my, my. Yeah. <laughs> We're patient. We have now understood and discovered that we are the apple of God's eye. Let me define what the word apple means here in Psalm 17 and 8. The word apple, there are several different renderings in the Hebrew and what this word means here in Psalm 17 and 8 in the Hebrew, the word apple is defined as the little man of the eye, the pupil, the middle. In other words, the man of God's eye. What's he say? You are the one who stands continually in his eye, and you look like an apple tree to him.
praise the Lord. You look like an apple tree in God's eye. The little man of the eye. You're standing right in the middle of God's eye. There are two Hebrew words that are used here to define the word I in Psalm 17. One is the one I just gave you, and the next one is a Hebrew word that means a daughter. Now, the first rendering, the little man of the eye, the second, a daughter or a branch. Now let me explain that when God sees things, he sees them in oneness of spirit, oneness of expression, oneness of production. That means that when he looks at the church, he not only sees a bride, but he sees sons. You understand it? Somebody said, how could God see a bride and sons also? To the son, we're a bride. To the father, we're sons. Hallelujah. Did you get it? I said, to the Son, to Jesus Christ, we're the bride. To the Father, we're sons. He sees both aspects in us. Why? Because not everyone who is part of the bride is a son. Sons are those that are reproduced from the bride. Ooh, come on and help me. Someone said, well, what does that mean then if I'm a son? You're still part of the bride. Why? The bride is in you. Remember the message I preached to you? They two shall be one flesh. In the son is both the bride and the groom. It's a reproduction. But God sees both. Now we're going to turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 8. Listen to what he says here. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Now let me explain there that the sons of Adam were, in essence, the sons of God. It was at that point in time that the sons of God looked upon the daughters of men and saw that they were fair, the sons of God being the sons of Adam, the ones in whom was invested the divine nature that looked upon the daughters of men, which were the church systems and the traditions of church orders of religion of that day. Don't ever think that religion came into existence 2,000 years ago. Brother, the world has been religious, religious from the very dawn of history. Can you say amen? They've always been religious. They have found that they were religious in the hieroglyphics of the engravings on the walls of the pyramids of ancient Egypt. Religion has always been here. Don't think that religion came into existence a few years ago. Religion was all the way back in Adam's day. And the sons of God looked on those systems and they married them. And that was what brought in the flood. God was angry because his sons became part of that system 
of religion. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, and that's the part that most people cannot handle, is separation. When you become a son of God, you're separated. You're not like other people. You're different. You think differently. You talk differently. Oh, hallelujah. You live differently. You're a son of Adam or a son of God. How many understand that? When I say a son of Adam, in this case, we're talking of Jesus. He's the second Adam, the restored Adam. Are you still here? Oh, hallelujah. The Lord of heaven being the second Adam. What does it mean? The same power that was invested in the first son of God, Adam, was invested in the second son of God, Adam, which was Jesus Christ. And that same authority is now invested in us. And once again, we see the Adam race, or the race of Adam once again in existence. Adam was a race of people. Somebody said, what color were they? Why, you old prejudice outfit. Come on and help me. Long as you got colors in your eyes, you're not near a son of God. Come on and help me. That's right. You got to get those colors out of your eyes to be a son of God. You're a son of God. You look at people after spiritual quality, not because of their skin. Come on and help me, praise the Lord. Spiritual quality. Whoop, hallelujah. Somebody said, what color was the Adam race or the race of Adam? All colors. Just like they are today. Praise the Lord. They're God's sons, can you say, man? Makes no difference. No difference. And here's what happened. God set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. Isn't that where you hear all the howling? The wind howls in the wilderness. The wolves howl in the wilderness. The roaring lions seeking whom they may devour howl in the wilderness. This is where he found Jacob. In the howling wilderness. In the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him. As the apple of his eye. What does it mean? He kept him as the fruit of sonship. He was separated unto God, yet protected and comforted. Let me explain that just because God separates you from your family and from those that you've held on to in the flesh does not mean that you cannot have continuous victory in God. You do not have to have family to be happy. That's true. All you need to know is that you're a son of God. That you've been chosen by him. Anna lived in the temple continually and served God with fasting day and night and was happy and even got to see the consolation of Israel and rejoiced and prophesied over Jesus Christ himself because she was there serving God day and night and was there when they brought him in.
I'm pastor and prophet of God, Harlow White, here today. I pray you were blessed with today's message. And now let's pray and believe God for a miracle. Heavenly Father, I bring every person that has listened to the message that you gave to me today. I pray for them, and I send the power of your word out to each one of these people. And you said that you sent your word and healed and delivered from all destruction. Heavenly Father, I send out the power of your anointing. Let the bondages of Satan be broken. Let the powers of evil spirits be broken asunder. Let every heart, soul, mind, spirit, and physical body be delivered from the powers of the enemy. Right now, bring victory into the life of every person, and I command the miracles to be done right now through the healing virtue of the healing stream of the divine virtue and the anointing of God. Let every person be blessed in their mind. Let every person be blessed mentally. Let every person be blessed spiritually. Let every person be blessed domestically. Let every person be blessed physically. Let every person be blessed financially. I speak the word of victory to them today, and I command a miracle to be done in their life. Praise God. Go ahead and praise God for your victory, because I feel a great anointing flowing right now. I want you to visit my website, Harlow White, that's H-A-R-L-O, Harlow White, W-H-I-T-E, HealingStream.com. Tell me if you were blessed by God's message today. Tell me what God did for you. And while you're there, visit my donation page and pray about giving a special offering to help me stay on this broadcast. I want to say thank you to everyone that will help me financially to stay on this radio broadcast. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I want you to tell your family and friends to listen. A new message will be on this broadcast every week. And don't forget, you can tune in to this broadcast anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And God bless you. And take your miracle and take your blessing today. I'll be looking forward to you tuning in next time. I send God's love to you today.